You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the MLB Extras Yankees podcast. I'm Tim McMaster, along with MLB.com Yankees reporter Brian Hoke. Back for the offseason, Brian, but we are still on the road in Boston, of all places, to record this podcast together. We're at Fenway Park and ready for Game 2 of the ALCS as we record this. But we're talking about the Yankees, so we don't want to offend any Yankee fans with that, but I want to let people know why they hear an organ in the background. But let's get, before we get to the offseason, let's look back a little bit on 2018, uh, a year in which the Yankees won 100 games but it feels like right now like a bit of a disappointment, right? Absolutely, and this is something that several of the players, including CeCe Sabathia, had said during the course of the year. You know, They were on pace for a terrific year, 100 wins, as you said, a big improvement over the 91 uh, the year before, but they had the misfortune of being in the American League East, looking up for most of the year at a Boston Red Sox team that was setting a franchise record for wins. So, yeah, I think there's a, a bitter taste in your mouth if you're a Yankee fan right now. I mean, uh, 100 wins, a lot of good things happened during that season. They hit more home runs than any other team ever has in baseball history. Uh, obviously went to the postseason, uh, gave the Red Sox a pretty good fight, but at the end of the day, Boston moved on. The Yankees did not, and I think that uh, for any Yankee fan to look at that as a success, I, I don't see that. So I think, uh, yeah, a bitter taste, I think, for a lot of Yankee fans right now, and uh, they're probably hungry for uh, 2019 to start already. And it should be an exciting offseason, we think. We will get to that. But one more thing on 2018. It was Aaron Boone's first season, obviously. First season ever managing in the big leagues. Most of the year, I think, there was a pretty positive vibe as far as the fan base and how everything was going. But in that Boston series, he did fall under fire a little bit for the use of the bullpen and and who he went to when. Um, When you look back as a whole on 2018 and, and Aaron Boone's first year, I guess let's start with the good. What did he get right with this Yankees team? Well, I think he was exactly what the Yankees wanted when they hired him. Um, Obviously, came in with no prior managerial experience, and that's a tall order to come into New York City, deal with the Yankees, deal with that media market and everything that goes along with it. And for the first half of the season, he looked like a genius. He was was working, all the buttons were pushing, and I think – Uh, Part of the reason why I always thought that Boone would be a good manager is he had great players. He had a great roster, and uh, they did the job. All he had to do was basically fill out the lineup card. I think that in the second half when the injuries started to mount and they had to mix and match and they started to play generally 500 ball and Boston was pulling away, that's when I think you saw some of the strain there. I still think overall he did a pretty good job, but uh, in the postseason I really felt he got exposed, especially in that division series. Um, just the, the bullpen moves, as you mentioned, did not work out. Some of them he stayed with Severino, for example, for too long. Um, I, I think that as he goes into 2019, what you're going to see is uh, he'll start to kind of have a better feel for the game and, and stop managing so much just by a script. It almost felt like when you're watching him in those postseason games, some of those decisions had been made at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and he was just sticking to them as 9 and 10 o'clock approached. And uh, you need to have a little more flexibility there. Uh, but you, you know, for a first year on the job, I think give Aaron Boone a B. Uh, he, he did an above-average job. Look, 100 wins is 100 wins. Uh, but I think uh, obviously the Yankees are, will be looking for more in 2019. 
All right, let's look to 2019 and the offseason that's coming up before that. Um, this was supposed to be the big free agent class. It, some of that luster has been lost for different reasons, but there's still two big-time guys out there, and Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. Um, and you just assume that with the amount of money the Yankees have to spend now that they've gotten under the luxury tax, um, they're going to be involved. When you look at those two guys first, who's the better fit at this point? Well, yeah, and this is good. This is what Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman were talking about, why they made such a big deal about staying under 197. And as Cashman said, you know, mission accomplished. So now they are free to go, and they are going to spend that money. If there's one thing we have learned, uh, that the Steinbrenners always, when money comes off the books or money becomes available, they do sink it back into the roster. And, uh, so I would think that considering Didi Gregorius' injury right now, I feel like the Machado uh, makes a whole lot more sense. Uh, you know, that's no... Uh, that's not breaking news there. I, I think there's always been a lot of talk about Machado coming to the Yankees at some point. I remember we were at Camden Yards. I saw Yankee fans walking around already with Machado jerseys. So it's pretty crazy that those already exist. Um, I, I guess uh, it's definitely a possibility. I think they, they could very well spend upwards of uh, $500 million this offseason. They just back up the truck and, and get what they need. Uh, I think what they need most, though, is starting pitching, and that's why I think Patrick Corbin is going to be so appealing to them. But Machado, for sure, it's easy to dream about what a Yankee lineup would look like with him, Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton. I mean, that, that's just crazy power right there. Now, how does that infield look, though? Because obviously with Didi out, the Tommy John surgery, he's going to miss, you would think, April, May, and some time, but eventually he's going to be back. And you have Andujar, and you have Torres. You throw Machado into the mix. How does that all play out for 2019? Well, for 2019, what I would do if I were the Yankees, I wouldn't count on Didi. Anything you get from him is a bonus. You can't keep the clock on him because we all know that rehab can always have setbacks and it never quite goes the way you think it is. I mean, Aaron Judge was supposed to be back in three weeks, right? And it turned out to be more like seven and a half. So I think that would be a mistake to count on Didi at all. Um, if you get him back, that's fantastic. But in the meantime, is, say you put Manny Machado on the Yankee roster, I think you make him your shortstop. You keep Glaber Torres at second base. Uh, maybe you trade Miguel Andujar. Maybe you talk about moving him for pitching, and then you can slide Machado over if Didi does come back. Uh, I think that all, everything's going to be on the table for Brian Cashman this offseason. Uh, as of right now, what he could do is just pencil in Glaber Torres as their shortstop. I think he would be the best in-house option they have right now, but I think they're also going to check on uh, everything that's out there, and that includes trades and free agency. CC's a free agent. Hap's a free agent. Obviously, they brought home, him over at the trade deadline. It sounds like they'd love to move Sonny Gray if they can. So there's other openings in there. Patrick Corbin alone isn't the guy, but there are guys coming up too. So if you get Corbin, do you leave those other spaces for Justice Sheffield and the kids that are getting pretty close now? Yeah, I think uh, you definitely want to keep an opening there. And don't forget, they may get Jordan Montgomery back at some point from Tommy John surgery. Again, not a thing you can count on, but it's possible. So, uh, yeah, I think that there's uh, some exciting arms in that farm system they, they will be looking toward. Uh, maybe they do bring a J-Hap back. Uh, maybe they re-sign CeCe Sabathia. You know, he made it very clear he'd like to come back. That would be his top priority. But he's 38 going on 39 and going to have knee surgery again here. So some definite question marks. But I think what the Yankees have done here over the last year plus, they've been looking for starting pitching. They didn't really get it a whole lot. Jay Hop actually pitched great. You take away that ALDS start against Boston, and uh, his time as a Yankee was fantastic. He did everything you could have asked. Um, I, I think that you could do a lot worse than bringing him back, but I think they're going to try and upgrade over that as well. 
Sheffield, you got a chance to see him in September. He came up. Um, do they still are they as high on him now as ever as a guy that can they can plug in? Yeah, I think so. I, I think that the stuff was raw, and you, you expect that when a guy comes and makes that jump to the big leagues. I think he's got to work on his command, and uh, those are just things that come with time. But I will tell you, the one thing about Sheffield is he's got this mature demeanor around him that almost makes it seem like he's been around longer than he has and that's something that Aaron Judge had um, you, you sense that when Judge first came up too I think Sheffield's kind of got that same aura around him and I know CeCe Sabathia has talked a lot to this kid they, they've stayed in contact they've been texting all throughout the season so I, I think that anything off the field he should be pretty well prepared for it. Now it's just a matter of getting in between the white lines and facing big league hitters because there, there's really no substitute for that. You know, you can face as many guys as you want at double-A and triple-A, but that jump to the big league is a big one. And um, I, I think that he's going to come in in spring training and he'll be competing for a rotation spot for sure. If Corbin decides New York's not the place for him, what would plan B be as far as a, a front-line guy in that rotation? Is Andy Pettit still available? <laughs> I'm not sure. You know, you know, that's really the kind of thing the guy they needed this year. Uh, you know what? I think that Jay Happ, I think Jay Happ would be a great fallback for them. Uh, maybe you don't go in making him your target one. And, I mean, Corbin's not really an ace. The people I've talked to have said he's more of a two or a three. Uh, if Corbin came to New York, I think you're still looking at Severino as your ace. Maybe Tanaka's your two. And then Corbin fills in. And, and that's something the Yankees need. They obviously need uh, better starting pitching going into this year. Uh, but I think... Uh, Certainly, Jay Happ would be probably a fallback option that they could do. I think he enjoyed his time with the Yankees. He enjoyed the idea of, of pitching for something and, and being back in the postseason. And I think uh, New York seemed to agree with him for sure. Do you think as this offseason gets going and, and we get into November and then December, is this going to be a situation where the Yankees hit fast, take care of their business quickly, and go out and just say, these are the guys we want, bam, 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 we're taking care of it? Well, you know, it takes two to tango there, and I think that uh, the Yankees will definitely be aggressive in the free agent market. I think they're going to be aggressive on the trade front. But, uh, you know, we've seen these offseasons be slow to develop, except for the top premier talent. A lot of those names have hung around on the board into January and February. So all right, we'll see what this year's free agent market looks like. I know the winter meetings are in Vegas this year. I wouldn't expect anything to happen before then. That's in early December. So, um, you know, there, there's always a possibility of a quick strike. They can go in and blow one of these guys away. But I think uh, it's going to take some time to develop. And I, I, I'll tell you what, I do not plan on sleeping much during that week in Vegas and not because I'll be at the blackjack table. So I'll tell you that. You won't be allowed to. You can stay in your room, stay on the floor for sure. All right, this has been good. We're back at it. MLB.com Extras podcast will take you through the entire offseason. For Brian Hoke, I'm Tim McMaster. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash 
the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.